Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever it is that you might be hearing this message. This is Reverend Kay Mortimer <clears throat> with Covenant Truth Ministries, and I'm here today with another edition of Bible Bites as we continue to read through the scriptures this year, and I trust that you are also reading the Bible and God is speaking to you as well. So I'd just like to share a little bit from my reading today. It shouldn't be very long, but we are starting now. My reading plan, anyway, is taking me through, and now we're entering the book of Nehemiah. <coughs> Excuse me. And in the book of Nehemiah, we're just beginning, and we're reading today in chapter 1 through 3. And so I just wanted to point out a few things. Welcome to you as you join in. God bless you today. So I just want to point out, now we just read and finished the book of Ezra, and Ezra was one of the captives that came back, and his heart's desire is to restore the spiritual condition of the people of Israel, the worship, the uh, temple, and the and the reinstitute the worship. Nehemiah has a little bit different desire, but he still has a desire that's from the Lord. Each one of us has a different call from God, and we have a different burden, so to speak, that God puts in us to accomplish. And whatever it is, it's important. We're all important in the kingdom of God, and there's a lot of work to be done in a lot of different ways and in a lot of different areas. So we have to understand that we all have different calls, but they're all important in the whole of the project. So in Nehemiah's heart, he, he, uh, he's working. He's the king's cupbearer to King Artaxerxes. And the Bible tells us it's in the 20th year, um, I believe, of King Artaxerxes' reign, it appears. We're not sure exactly what that refers to. But in the month of Chislev, which is around the month when we would normally celebrate uh, Christmas, that's what we're talking about here, um, one of the... Jewish people, Hanani, comes and gives word to Nehemiah on the work and on the condition of the people of God, of the children of Israel that had escaped the captivity, survived, and are now in Jerusalem. And so the word comes that they're in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. So I want to read you verse 4 of Nehemiah chapter 1. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So Nehemiah hears about the condition and how bad it is, and it upsets him. He mourns as if something or someone has died. We saw that in Ezra also about how things grieved him. I want you to notice this. <clears throat> Because the rest of chapter 1 is Nehemiah's prayer that he prays, and he prays for favor with even with the king toward the end of that. But then in chapter 2, notice how long this had been. Because in chapter 2, verse 1, we find out that he ends up, the king ends up talking to him about his sad countenance because he had never been uh, sad before in his presence when he was serving as the cupbearer to the king. But in the month of Nisan, that's when this happened. So we're talking about three to four months. Nisan would have been about March, April of our, our, our calendar. Chislev was around Christmas time. So we're talking about three to four months that Nehemiah had been fasting and praying throughout that time, had been mourning throughout that time. We're not told how long 
you know, specifically that he fasted, for instance. But we do know that during that time, he was very upset. He was mourning. It says for many days, three to four months would be many days. So he, he sat down, he wept, he mourned. And what struck me is that he mourned over the condition of the people and their safety and the reproach that they were bringing upon themselves. He really cared. And it made me think of, you know, the people of God. Sometimes things happen and maybe pastors fall into sin or or there's other things that cause distress and reproach to the kingdom of God and to the name of God within the church. And I, th I thought about this and I thought about his response. How beautiful was his response? He didn't rejoice over it. He didn't uh, have an indifferent attitude. He sincerely cared. It sincerely grieved him. And I believe that's a pattern and a message for us today that that when we hear about things that are a reproach to God, when we hear about things that are wrong in the church or that are being done, that we not judge them, that we not be callous about it, but that we take it to heart and sincerely pray for God to correct that situation, for God to intervene. And, and so I just was blessed by that um, that thought as I was reading through that. Then in chapter two, we find out about he's been how he's been mourning for this long period of time, and so the king asked him. He says, "Why are you so sad? You know, um, why? What? This is this is sorrow of heart. You're not sick. You're sorrowing in your heart." So Nehemiah becomes afraid because he doesn't know what to expect from the king. So notice how reverent and respectful he is, and you see this also in. Uh, Ezra and in Daniel, that when they were under these foreign authorities who were not godly, yet they showed them great respect and great honor. They submitted to the Lord in that season and in that time. And because of the way they treated the kings and the way they were submissive and, and uh, gracious to those authorities, God granted them great favor, and he will do that today if we have that kind of attitude toward our authorities um, as well. Now, you know, if they were telling us clearly to violate God's word, that's a different story. But, but without that, um, we need to be respectful and understanding and show grace to our authorities as well. And God will bless it, and God will give us much favor when we do so. But I want you to notice that um, that they were all respectful. And notice in verse 8 of chapter 2 that uh, Nehemiah makes the same declaration that we've read already in when we went through Ezra. Ezra points out this as well. It says in verse 8 of chapter 2, after he's explained to him, uh, notice also first in verse 4 of chapter 2 how the king says, what do you request? And the Bible says, so I prayed to the God of heaven. I mean, he was kind of put on the spot. And so I believe he did maybe a silent prayer. And he said, God, help me. What do I tell him? You know, just within his spirit, because he's in the king's presence. So then God gives him the words to say, and he requests the, the favor of the Lord that he can go back to Judah to rebuild the, the area there, to rebuild the wall. The, they have this conversation. Well, how long will you be gone? When will you return? Nehemiah sets a date for him, and the king is um, blesses him and sends him forward in the journey. And it says at the end of verse 8 there, it says, And the king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. That reference is to the favor of God. And because of his attitude, God granted him favor. Hallelujah. And he was able to be set forth. 
and go to that. And, and I thought about this, you know, there's an old adage that I've heard in my life, you may have heard it too, you can catch more flies with honey than vinegar. And so it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing when you understand that when we are respectful and reverent and gracious to others, God then can pour his favor upon us and can grant us um, that grace and that empowering and that ability to move forward in his work. Well, notice in verse 10 of this chapter and beyond that opposition comes. Guess what? Anytime the Lord starts to work and starts doing something, the enemies of the Lord don't like it, and they begin to try to stop it. So they start to mock them, and, and they try to make them stop. But, you know, but Nehemiah knows that God can proceed with them, and God can give them favor and blessing from the Lord. So notice that what they got upset about in verse 10 was that somebody was coming to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. That tells you how much they hated the children of Israel and wanted them destroyed. Sounds similar to some of what's going on today as well. And then in, um, in verse 17 and 18, I want to read this to you very quickly. It says this, Then I said to them, you see, he's talking to the elders of the people now. He's talking to his brethren in the, Jewish, in the Jewish land. And he says, Then I said to them, You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste, and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the good hand of my God, which had been upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, Let us rise up and build then they set their hands to this good work. Hallelujah. So even though the opposition is going to rise against them, they have now begun to do the work of the Lord, and they have put their hands to this good work. Beloved, it's time for the church to rise up and build and put our hands to the good work God has called us to do in spite of opposition, because here again you find out in verse 19 more about the opposition that's going to arise. But notice verse 20. I believe this is a bold, confident, and obedient declaration of faith and it should be the same attitude, determination, and faith declaration that we give today as well to the work that God has called us to do. So in verse 20, make this maybe your own declaration of faith. So I answered them and said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. In other words, you don't belong with us. Get out of our way because we're moving forward. God's going to prosper us. And we are trusting God to allow us to prosper in this good work he's called us to do. And beloved, I believe that we can take that as a declaration for the call of God on our life today and move forward in spite of opposition that might arise against us. And then in verse 3, in chapter 3, I just wanted to point out this. Notice how many people were involved in this work and how each one kind of had their own set, their own little place on the wall. They all had their own little corner to work in. And it made me think about the work of God even today. It's a team effort. Every one of us in the kingdom of God, in the family of God, every one of us have our own little spot on the wall. 
Every one of us have a little part in the kingdom, and it's important. It was important for all of them to work, because if, if the whole of the wall wasn't done, there would be a breach in the wall, and therefore an opening for the enemy to come in. So it's important for every one of us to be, be willing, and it might be a small spot on the wall. It, we might feel like it's a tiny little thing, but it's just as important because the whole of the wall had to be built. The whole of the wall had to be finished, and it took a bunch of people to do that, each one in their own spot. And that's a message for us today. We're not all called to the same ministry or to the same field to serve, but we are all called to something. And may we understand that we just need to be faithful. We don't have to worry about our little spot or our big spot or whatever the spot is. We just need to do it and do it as unto the Lord and declare like Nehemiah did in chapter 2 verse 20. The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. And so, beloved, I pray that that's an encouragement to you today. In Jesus' name, may God bless you. Hope you can join us again for future episodes of Bible Bites. God bless you today.